Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wanderer Part 3 Rated R. JK, it's probably like PG at best. Might, it might even be G. <laughs> When's the last time you saw a G-rated movie? Anywho, uh, if you've been following along, we are looking at rediscovering or um, perhaps really understanding worship. What it is, how we do it, why we do it. Um, how are we supposed to enter into it and what exactly God might be looking for from us or from the act itself. And um, for me, this started quite a while ago uh, when I was up on stage leading and uh, just became discouraged and got lost in the programmatic and um, performative nature that worship had become. And, uh, and also just the gibberish lyrics that modern worship um, had us all singing. And what we've kind of discovered so far in this little journey is that worship, uh, that we look at worship as justice, that we look at worship as counter-programming to a world that tells us how to live and what to revere, worship as resistance. And uh, first, we looked at O Holy Night, as the first episode kind of fell around Christmas time, and how that song was written by an atheist, how it became an abolitionist hymn. Then we looked at Amazing Grace and the repentance of racial injustice and dehumanizing of fellow humans and the journey that that song went on over the centuries for different people. And now we're going to look at Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which is probably my favorite hymn to sing for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I think almost every time I've led worship, I have sang this song. So this hymn is less justice-oriented as the others have been in the theme of this mini-series is, but I think there are some pretty good nuggets to pick at in here for all of us. So buckle up. Uh, this one has a little bit of magic in it. Robert Robinson, who henceforth shall be known as Bob on this episode, was born in 1735. And uh, his dad died when he was young, some accounts say seven or eight, and um, London didn't have a huge amount of social welfare at the time, and so mom sent little Bob off to uh, become an apprentice to a barber, I believe is what I had read. But Bob... Being young, being restless, fell in with some uh, undesirables, as my mom might say, some riffraff, some hooligans. You got a little gang, and they started to get into trouble. And one day, Bob and his gang of uh, malcontents, let's just say Bob and the hooligans, Bob and his hooligans uh, started to harass a drunken gypsy. They were pouring liquor into her, and they demanded. They said, you have to tell us our fortunes for free. And according to the lore, according to the story, she looks up and points her finger at Bob, and she told him that he would live to see his grandchildren. And this spooked him. It hit a, it hit a spot in his heart that caused him to take a 
pause and take a breath. And he thought to himself, according to what he wrote, if I'm going to see, if I'm going to live to see my children and grandchildren, I need to change the way I'm living. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep running with the hooligans. So, a few nights later, Bob, half spooked and serious about his encounter and half in fun, decided to go with his hooligans to a tent meeting to hear the now famous Methodist preacher, George Whitfield. And uh, to try to cover up for what he viewed as himself becoming um, weak or showing weakness, uh, he asked his hooligans to go with him, and then maybe they could heckle the people that were there. Uh, he was quoted as saying, let's go laugh at the deluded Methodists. That's what he told his little gang of hooligans. And Whitfield preached on the text, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come in Matthew. And Bob left in dread. And he had this feeling that old George Whitfield was preaching straight to him and no one else. And so finally, when Bob turned 20, he made peace with God and he set out to become a preacher. He wrote a letter to George Whitfield and told him that he uh, was envious or jealous of the happiness that he saw with all the people that were in that revival tent. And two years later, he wrote a hymn that helped express his joy and his brand new faith. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Now, ironically, years later, Bob did end up wandering away from God. And this is where the magic comes into the story. According to the lore, according to the story, one day, long after Bob has wandered away from the faith, he's riding in a stagecoach, traveling. And there's only one other person in the stagecoach, a young woman who he does not know. And the woman, as they're talking, starts to quote, Come thou fount of every blessing, telling Bob what an encouragement it had been to her. Now, she didn't know who he was. She was just trying to share something that had struck her, that had helped her on her journey through hard times in life. And so she asked him, she asked Bob, what do you think of the hymn that she had been humming and talking about? And Bob kept trying to change the topic to get her away from the hymn, but she just kept pushing. And he responded to her and said, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. And here's the magic. The woman looks to him and gently replies, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. And Bob was deeply touched. And as a result of that little journey in that stagecoach with that mystery woman, he repented and he wandered back into the fold. So how's that for fantastical magical? His own hymn comes back around to bring him back into the fold. Oh, that's kind of cool and kind of crazy. Um, and there's some troubling things in that story, right? I found that one of the reasons that I have wandered away from worship was because of the fact that I would tie so much emotion into it and it felt emotionally manipulative. And that's not the case for everybody, but I definitely have seen it myself and have participated in it myself, knowing how to build a song up and break it down to bring people and usher people into a specific emotive response. 
and Bob articulated much of the same. I would give anything to get back to that feeling, the feeling I felt when I was recently converted, the feeling when everything was new and fresh. And when that feeling faded, well, there wasn't a lot of foundation to keep standing on. And Bob wandered. And that's happened to a lot of us. And what do you see in that? Well, I guess you see a lot of homes built on the sand and not built on the rock. So that's the history of this song. How old Bob Robinson started young on the streets, got in trouble, found a theology that he thought was inspiring, wandered away from it, and was eventually found again. But there are some pieces in here that I think are really interesting. The hymn itself is rooted in a ton of scripture. So the second verse, second stanza that most of you are familiar with, reads, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. The Hebrew word Ebenezer uh, is unknown to most of us. I think probably for everybody, the first thing that comes to mind is Scrooge, right? Ebenezer Scrooge, I would assume. To save time, I won't tell you the whole journey of Israel, but... At some point, Samuel helped gather people at the town of Mizpah. And um, there he was trying to provoke people to fast and collect. And there he was trying to provoke people to fast and confess their sins and infidelity to God. But when the Philistines, you know, remember those guys? Heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they took it as an opportunity to march and to try to vanquish their enemies. And when Israel heard they were coming, they panicked. And they pled to Samuel and said, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Sam responded by sacrificing a lamb of God on behalf of the people. And as he did, the Philistines began to attack. And God heard him and caused big thunderstorm it says the lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the philistines and threw them into confusion and they were defeated before israel and the men of israel went out from mizpah and pursued the philistines and struck them so what does samuel do he takes a stone and sets it up there and he calls it ebenezer for he said till now the lord has helped us in hebrew ebenezer means stone of help Eben, stone, Ezer, help. Samuel wanted everyone to remember forever, for as long as possible, how God rescued his people when they humbled themselves before him. So that becomes a linchpin in the hymn for old Bob, years before he wanders. Now, what I love about this hymn, first of all, is how it starts with an invitation. Come thou fount of every blessing. And it's not like God needs an invitation from us to show up, to arrive, to inhabit the place that we're in. He's not a he's not a he's not a vampire that needs to be invited in and can't come in otherwise. But there's a posture in invitation. There is the reorientation. There is the looking up and saying, please come here. And then the second line, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Ah, I love it. I love the idea and the imagery of what harmony is and what it offers right so you can't see me but let's just say if you put your two hands up and move them in a wave motion one on top of the other and when your hands are moving the exact same wave motion that's what harmony looks like in sound two waves of sound that move 
in sync with one another. And you don't have to be a musician or somebody who understands music or someone who can sing or play an instrument to understand and appreciate harmony. Your ears just understand it. They know it. They process it as a sweet sound. Likewise, if two uh, pieces of sound, instead of flowing in unison with one another, cross each other, it's called discord. And that is a sound of someone singing off key in a song. Two sounds that don't go together. And again, you don't have to be a musician to hear that. When you hear someone sing off key, you know it. So I love that visual. It's one of my favorite in all of the hymns. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Because how often do I get out of tune? Secondly, I think that what really stands out to me in this hymn is this idea of deconstruction. And bear with me for a second, because I know that we are all sick of that word and sick of that topic. But I think, to me, what deconstruction really is, is pursuing an authentic faith and an authentic theology. It's coming away from something that's been handed to you and doing the research and the looking about to make it your own. Not changing it. You're not changing the definition or changing the theology to fit what you want or what you like, but you're taking ownership and you're seeking to understand why it is you believe what you believe. That's what deconstruction was for me. And in order to do that, I had to wander from the fold, the fold being the church that I grew up in and the theology that was given to me. And I did so in community. And I think that's important. And now that I just said that out loud and I'm looking and thinking in hindsight, I wish I would have recorded the song with collective pronouns rather than the I. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune our hearts to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach us some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, we're fixed upon it. The mount of God's unchanging love. Here we raise our Ebenezer. Yeah, that would have been better. Next time, I like to think that God is bigger than my wandering. And as we think about the center set approach to our faith and our community, and if repentance is a reposturing, a turning around and moving forward in the direction towards the center, often that's what God has done. He's turned me around. He's rescued me from danger as I wandered from the fold. And that happens in so many ways. Rarely is it God's hand reaching down and lifting me up and turning me around, but often it's through my wife, or it's through a friend, or it's through a reminder, or it's through my community that help me to see that I'm facing the wrong way and to turn back towards the center. Let that grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's beautiful. He was 22 when he wrote that, by the way, which is discouraging to me as a songwriter in my 40s. Bind my wandering heart to thee. I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love, to turn away, to be distracted, Here's my heart. Just take it, seal it, and seal it for thy courts above. 
I don't know. Again, not explicitly justice-oriented, but it is a hymn about reorienting yourself to God and therefore to justice. And I like it. I'm tired of the demonizing of deconstruction. I'm tired of the demonizing of people who are leaving the gift shop and wandering into the park itself. God is bigger than that. Now, there's a lot of Bob's life that I didn't cover here. Things with his grandfather, his 30 years of ministry in Cambridge, um, the death of his 17-year-old daughter and how that affected him, and even how ill he was when he died as his own mind wandered from the fold. How he advocated for dissenters and nonconformists. And while, I again, this wasn't a song directly linked to justice, Bob himself was an early opponent of slavery and the slave trade. And he preached and petitioned against it. And he stated clearly that slavery was incompatible with Christianity. And as I find a way to approach God and worship again, I think this is a big part of it is knowing how prone my heart is to wander and confessing that and lamenting it and turning to God and confessing the things that cause me to wander, whether it's my own sin or the sin of the church itself. I don't know. It's a beautiful story, like I said, full of magic. Whether or not it's true that the woman was there, there's something that brought him back into the fold, and he became a minister for a long time until he died. But it really is a prayer and an invitation Come thou fount of every blessing, tune our hearts to sing thy grace.
to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to above.